Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. For some reason at 9.30, Deacon Allen's microphone likes to act up. It works fine at 8 o'clock, and then you've got to stand in just the right place. But the good news is when the new sound system is done, the antenna will be right there, and there should be no interference. So until then, uh, we limp along. Yeah, <laughs> then there could be a new challenge. We hear from the Gospel of John this morning, and we hear the one speaking in this encounter is John the Baptist. And this encounter comes after the baptism of Jesus, which we had celebrated last week. And having witnessed what he witnessed, we see John the Baptist now proclaiming, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, when we hear this, it means a lot of things to us that it probably did not necessarily mean to the first hearers. Um, especially since the Lamb was not the sacrifice that was a sin offering to begin with. Um, certainly, though, to us, we would make a connection with the Passover lamb by which the blood covered those from death and the movement in the Passover from slavery to freedom. As Christians who have the, uh, the luxury of having read the Bible all bound together nicely, we also have uh, the images from Revelation where in the new city, the Lamb will be at the center as though slain. The victorious uh, image uh, of Jesus the Lamb who has given himself for us. In fact, that picture is in the center of the altar that you may or may not have noticed. Jesus, the victory Lamb. You see Jesus depicted with the flag signifying uh, victory. So these connections they may or may not have made, but they mean something to us certainly hearing this. What they would have heard is John the Baptist is saying to them, this is the one. This is the Messiah. This is who we have been waiting for. And in fact, this encounter and the baptism itself all go uh, to point to that on our, for, for our behalf. Jesus had no reason to be baptized. He had nothing to repent of. But what Jesus does is enter in his humanity into everything that we encounter. And he does for us perfectly what we could never do. And so he allows himself to go into that baptism on our behalf. And he is the one who will sacrifice himself to take away our sin. And in the baptism encounter, the Spirit rests on Jesus and the voice of the Father is heard, this is my beloved Son. Well, that wasn't done for Jesus' benefit. It was done for those who were around. 
as a witness to say, this is the Messiah you've been waiting for. And that's what we hear proclaimed today. And in fact, it's important again we hear the statement that the Spirit uh, descended upon Jesus and remained. And, and Deacon Allen was talking about this last week, and I think it's important that we understand that image of the Spirit remaining is important. It wasn't like the Spirit sort of just swept through on that one day. But the Spirit remaining, again, is an image of the enduring intimate relationship that Jesus has with the Father and the Spirit that did not start at the baptism but existed for all time before the Incarnation. And these are signs to us that the one you have been waiting for is here and he persists in this relationship with the Father and the Spirit that he had from before all time and forever. That is still ongoing now. And as we look at this work of the Messiah, John the Baptist is trying to get everybody to understand who Jesus is. And then the text moves to the calling of some of the first disciples. Now, if you've read this portion of John's Gospel and you've read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you may be scratching your head and say, well, wait a minute. I thought Peter's supposed to be in a boat and then Jesus calls him. Or if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they don't necessarily call the disciples in the same order which can start to make us nervous, but I would say we don't have to worry about that because we need to understand what the scriptural text is trying to do. And it's important, I mean, if you read all four Gospels, you say, well, how come they don't just say the same thing? All in the same order. Well, the Gospels are not meant to be a court reporter transcription, second by second, of a movie that just plays from the time Jesus is born until his resurrection. If that's what we think the scripture is, then we become very nervous when everything doesn't line up chronologically. What's important is the message that the text is trying to tell us. And, you know, one of the synoptic gospels has uh, Peter getting called from the boat, but it also doesn't say that that was the first time Peter and Jesus met. And in fact, none of these ordering of things is the message of the text. It's not important who uh, came first in the chronology. What all the authors are trying to say, these are the ones whom Jesus called. And here is their response to the call. That's the point of the story. And that's what we have to ask ourselves when we approach the Bible. What is the text trying to tell us? And remember, it's not a second-by-second second history. Because if we think it is all sorts of things, when you read the Bible, will make you nervous. Because certain things don't square that way. You have to ask, what's the author trying to tell us? And what's important is that Jesus calls these disciples to come and follow him, and they respond. And in fact, who gets called is important for us because Jesus, uh, in a lot of ways, chooses a, a group of misfits who bumble their way through following him. You know, the, it doesn't just say in Scripture, well, these were like the stellar people and they did everything perfectly for every moment with Jesus from then on. Which is good news for us 
who are a group of misfits bumbling our way through following Jesus. We're in good company with the first disciples. And what we do need to see is their witness and how we respond, because what they heard was, this is the Messiah, and they begin to follow him. And not only do they follow him, but they then go and tell others. They find their relatives and friends and say, hey, you got to come on. you got to see this. We found the one we've been waiting for. We have found the Messiah. And for us who are seated here today, I hope that we're here because we have found the one. That we know the Messiah. Otherwise, I've said before, what are we doing? You know, we could all sleep in or go somewhere else. And if, if Jesus is not the one and Jesus is not the Messiah and he didn't do what he said he was going to do and he's not who he says he was, then this is just a good theater show that we put on. But I don't think we'd come back week after week just for a good theater show. We're here because we know the one. And so we, we have captured that first aspect of the disciples' witness. And what I pray that the Spirit will empower us to do is then knowing the one, nourished by the word and sacraments, as our opening colleague said, we're to be sent out, to be the heralds, to bring the message of the good news to all the ends of the earth. That means we need to find our relatives and friends and say, hey, I found the one. Come and see. I know the Messiah. My sins are forgiven. Jesus loves me. And this God who loves me loves you. And he wants you to receive this love and mercy and grace as well. And notice when the disciples went, they didn't have all the answers. What did they know? Somebody said, here's the Lamb of God. And they started to follow. And then they went and said, we found the one. I'm sure somebody asked questions. Well, how do you know? What about this? What about that? And they didn't have all the answers, they just went. And I'm sure all they could say is, I don't know, come and see. And that's good news for us because I hear over and over again, people are worried about what they're going to be asked and how they respond. Or I don't know how to quote enough Bible verses so I can't go. But all we need to be able to say is, hey, I know this God who loves me. And Jesus is the one, come and see. And let people come here to hear the word of God proclaimed and to encounter Jesus for themselves. You don't need to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But the Spirit will do the Spirit's work in people's lives. We're just supposed to be heralds of that good news. And so today we gather then with, with grateful and thankful hearts that Jesus is who he says he is. And because he's done what he said he was going to do, our sins are forgiven. Because Jesus has conquered over sin and death, we too are set free from the bondage of sin and death. And we will dwell with God forever in the new creation that is to come. Because of what Jesus is. Because he is the Lamb of God. Because he is the Messiah. And with grateful and thankful hearts, and with joy, may we go out from this place to share that message with others and say, come and see. We have found the one, and he's looking for you as well. Let us pray.
Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the precious gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to take on our flesh, to offer his life for us. We thank you that in him we have forgiveness of sin. In him we have eternal life. May the Spirit empower each of us to be heralds of the good news that we might invite others to come and to meet with you, that the whole world might receive your message of reconciliation, of forgiveness, that the whole world might receive your love, your grace, your mercy, and your peace. And we make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.